Well, good morning. Happy New Year's Eve. Very sweet to have you here with us this morning. Today is December 31st. So, 365 days ago, 2017 began. And now here we are at the very end of the year, the very last day of the year. It's over. 2017 has now come to an end. And that's just like our lives, right? So if you looked at 2017 like the span of a life, like a whole lifetime, it begins, we're conceived in our mother's womb, and we're carried in that womb for nine to ten months, and then we're brought into the world, and we live for however many days God has ordained for us. And then at the end of those days, our life on this earth ends. And so you look at the year, 2017, it began January 1st, and now it has come to an end. And the chapter we're going to be reading is Psalm 90. It's a psalm that some of you are at least partly familiar with. Psalm 90 teaches us that we are transient. We're very momentary. And it sets up God as being eternal. He's, he is other, not like us. So notice, as we turn to God's Word, how very different God is. He is the everlasting one. He's our dwelling place. He is our refuge. And He holds our lives in His hands. Whereas we... How does Scripture describe us? We're like dust. We're made out of the dust, and that's where we go back. And it's sad. It's sad that our lives, it's sad that our lives end here. We want it to go on. We want it to go on forever here. We're turned back to dust. We're here for a very relatively short time. Even those who those of us who get to live for a long time here. And so in Psalm 90, the point that we'll walk away with today is, so Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may, does anyone know the verse? Teach us to number our days so that we may, what's that? Present to you a heart of wisdom. Some of you know your Bibles, or at least this passage. And it's fitting that Kate would know it, knowing that she recently lost a loved one, right? How many here today have lost loved ones? We all have, right? It's sad. Yep. We've lost mothers, fathers, grandmas, grandpas, sisters. People very near to us, we've lost them. Many uh, miscarriages, little babies. Sorry. 
precious little ones in their mother's wombs who never saw the light of day. And it's sad. Some children only to get only get to live for a little while after being born. And then they die. Some children die at a very young age. Some die as teenagers. Some die as young adults. Some die in their 40s and 50s. Some get to see their grandchildren and then they die. And some get to live to be great-great-grandparents, live to be over 100 years old. And it's no less sad. And if you look back at 2017, look at it like the span of a lifetime. It began, that's one bookend, and now it's come to an end. And that's what it will be like for all of us. We will come to our end on this earth. And then we'll go face the judge. So let's say, after today, let's say 2017 was like your life. And you know that today is the last day you have to live on earth. Think about that. Let's say today was your last day. You've come to the end of your race. You're crossing the finish line. And after today, you're going to stand before the judge of all the earth. And you have hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His righteousness you plead for on the day of judgment. You stand before him. And all you can say is, I was a wicked sinner my days, my few days on that earth. But Jesus Christ the righteous, he died for my sins. So I plead his righteousness. Let me into your heaven because of Jesus Christ and the perfect work that he did. So many people have turned to this psalm, Psalm 90, to help them do the very painful work of grieving. Grieving the loss of loved ones who have died. Know that God is eternal and that we are mortal. Could be a hundred days that some of us live, some of the little ones could, could still live a hundred more years. And some of us, it could be today that the Lord requires our life of us. So would you please stand for the reading of God's word from Psalm 90. <coughs> Excuse me. This is the word of the Lord, and it is eternally true. From Psalm 90. This is a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight 
are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain seventy years, or if due to strength, eighty years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger? and your fury according to the fear that is due you. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Can you give me a tissue, Moses? Give me some tissue. Like with all good prayers, Moses begins this prayer talking about God and setting him up where he belongs, who he is, what he's done. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And if you think about Moses and the Israelites, how very, very true that was for them. We're talking about the Israelites wandering in the wilderness for over 40 years. You, Lord, are our dwelling place. We all have a nice, warm home to go to. You kiddos have your little blankies in your beds to keep you warm at night when it's frigid out there. We'll think about... Thank you. Appreciate you, Moses. Think about... wandering out there in the wilderness, in the desert, for 40 years... That's over 14,500 days. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? And yet, we are wanderers in this world. We're God's children. He is our dwelling place. And this world is temporary. And we are wandering through until we go to our eternal destination. So as, we, as you look at the psalm there, why, according to the psalm, does man turn back to dust? Why were the Israelites consumed? What does it say? We have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath. We have been dismayed. Because the sins of the people were before God. 
even their secret sins that maybe no one else knew about. God had placed their sins before them, even their secret sins. You know, like some of the Israelites, there were things that were placed under the ban. Don't touch anything under the ban. Well, what did some of the Israelites do? They went and tried to hide them in their tent. Did God not know? Did he not know what was going on? And so a plague breaks out, and many of the children of Israel die. Your secret sins you keep in a dark place where nobody sees them. But God sees it like it's in the middle of a field on the, on the brightest day. God sees it. God sees it as if it was posted on right on the main page of Facebook when all of your best friends can see it, all your secret sins that even your family may not know about. He sees it and exposes it and even, and even makes it larger like under a magnifying glass. The deeds you are least proud of that you've given yourself to. It would be like it would be like your sins being broadcast on the jumbotron down in Times Square tonight for for millions and millions of people to see. He shines his light on it and he judges it. And really it's amazing knowing our sins in God's holiness. It's amazing that any of us even make it to 70 or 80, like this psalm says, because of his anger against our sin. It's amazing how long-suffering he is and how patient he is with our sins. And so we see that we're full of sin as you read through the psalm. We have finished our years like a sigh, Verse 9, who understands the power of your anger, verse 11, and your fury according to the fear that is due you? And so here's where, where we'll spend our time with verse 12. And so teach us, so teach us, we ask God. Who is doing the teaching here? God is our teacher, right? He's the one who provides wisdom. And yet we do have many teachers today, don't we? We set up many teachers in our lives. Students are not any greater than their master, are they? So as good as your teacher is, you're not going to get any better than that. So what do you set, what do you set up as the teachers in your life? What do you fill your eyes and your mind with? Moses is asking God to teach us to number our days. They're all numbered every day that we will still live on this planet. So teach us, God, to number our days. Yesterday, Saturday, that day's gone. There were 24 days, 24 hours that God gave us yesterday, and it's past. You can't go back and relive it was talking with Ryan this morning, just with sickness over Christmas. You want to go back, 
and just wish you could redo it all. But you can't. It's in the past now. You can't go back any more than you can go back and relive the year 2017. Do you ever replay in your mind times when you said or did something incredibly foolish and you just look so foolish in front of family or friends and you just think, oh, there's got to be a way that I can take that back. There's got to be a way that I cannot have those memories. Those people are still walking around remembering when I was an absolute fool and said that foolish thing. You can't do it. And those reminders are helpful to us. They're useful to us. And so we have only so many hours remaining today. Maybe. And that's the point. Each of your days are numbered. Know that God has numbered every day that you'll live. And you number them so that you will live wisely before him and so that you won't live for yourself. We cannot number our days without looking at each day in one sense like it was our last day. We number so many things in life. We number the dollars in our bank accounts, right? We number how many days till the weekend, you know, come tomorrow, Monday, we'll be numbering how many days till we get to rest for the weekend. We number how many days left in college. We number the days, mothers number the days till they're delivered. You have countdown, you have app, show you how big that baby is in the womb. We number our children. We number our Facebook friends. You young folks number how many more things you know than your friends. You number your toys. You number all kinds of things that you have. And we just don't number our days. We don't want to think about that. We just assume, especially you younger folks, that there's just an endless supply of days, right? We'll just take it easy today because we always have tomorrow. And then we'll have the day after that and the day after that, and we'll just have a really fun, nice, good time. Number our days. This is useful with evangelism. As you're preaching the gospel to people God's put in your life, so many of our family, so many of our friends and coworkers have no understanding of numbering their days. All of life, it's just working to get to the weekend. And a lot of our life in America, it's a conspiracy to never think about death, ever. Even, even when we do have people die, what is it? It's a celebration of life, right? Even, even when you're standing over the grave of a loved one, we can't even mourn and grieve then over the death because it's a celebration of life. Death comes to us all. So think about this psalm as you witness to and evangelize to others. Listen, Frank, your days are numbered. Repent of your sins. Turn in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
How many times have you witnessed to friends and they say, well, I'm not, I'm not done playing yet. I've heard that. I'm not, done, I'm not done living my life of sin yet. It might be too late for you. You cannot, you cannot take fire in your bosom and not be burned. So this is useful to think about as we witness Jesus Christ to others. I was sick as a dog over Christmas. It was terrible. For about four or five days. Now my bride's sick. And that's really the worst. That is absolutely the worst. When moms are sick, it's like the world is slowly ending around you. And just like that, you become sick and you expect that you're going to get better. But I was talking with Joseph just last Sunday. People get the flu all the time, or you guys may have talked with Kristen, who worked at Children's when she was here. Otherwise, healthy kids, healthy young adults, come into the hospital all the time with seemingly normal sicknesses. I mean, the flu is terrible, don't get me wrong. But... Eventually, some people, their lungs fill with congestion and sickness, and they just stop working, and people die all the time just from basic sickness. Some people get cancer, and sometimes people with cancer, they get better, and they heal for a while, but sometimes they don't, and they die. We all think that we're just going to be strong and healthy. We all think we are so strong and healthy. But we're just earthen vessels, right? And we're weak in our bodies in part because it shows God's power and His strength. It is incredible that we have such frail bodies and God, and God sustains us. He sustained us here as long as, as long as He has. And some of us here are stronger and healthier than others. Some do a better job taking care of themselves, better diet. But even the strongest here can get sick like that with some incurable sickness, and then that's it. And then your life is over. You become sick and you get so tired. You get so exhausted. Things that were things that were relatively easy for you physically are just so difficult. And so you cry out, like we were talking about earlier, Joey, you cry out to the Lord, you ask for mercy so that you'll get better. You quickly pray out, pray to God, cry out, make me better. And then if he does make you better, then what happens? then how quickly do you forget God again? Well, I'm feeling better. I don't really need God around much as much right now. Have you ever been so sick or in so much pain you start making resolutions? If I'll only get better, I will never again fill in the blank. Lord, if you'll only sustain me, then I will start doing this thing that I'm supposed to be doing. 
you start making resolutions. That actually is numbering your days. That is saying that you will live wisely. But talk is cheap, right? Our resolutions are cheap. Our resolve is weak. You get better, and then you tell yourself, well, we'll put off godly, we'll put off godly wise living for a little while longer. So Moses is the author of the psalm. How old was he when he led the people of Israel out of Egypt? Anybody know? By the time we get to our 50s and 60s, we're thinking about retirement. James, you know? Okay. Exactly right. You've been reading your Bible back there? You got the internet up there, don't you? By the time we get to our 50s or 60s, we're thinking about retirement. Shoot, we tell little kids in the womb, you know, start preparing for that retirement package now, right? Moses started to lead God's people out of Egypt when he was 80 years old. Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. you imagine? You know, I was sick and I told Jessica, it's really nice to have someone feel sorry for you when you're sick. It just feels so pathetic. But it's nice to have someone feel sorry for you. I guess that's why some people still want their mother when they're sick. She'll feel sorry for me. I wonder if Moses ever had anyone feeling sorry for him. It seems like everyone was always conspiring against Moses out there. You imagine the life that he lived. There's Moses in the wilderness, no one feeling sorry for him, leading God's people. And so Moses prays, teach us to number our days. The Bible says it's better to be in the house of mourning and grieving than in the house of rejoicing. Why? Again, our lives are a giant conspiracy to never think about death. There's a lot of false grieving, a lot of morbid introspection, as they call it, that goes on today. That's not helpful. That's not doing the work of mourning and grieving. It's useful to mourn and grieve, especially for you young folks. From a young age... Learn to number your days so that you can present to God a heart of wisdom. I had a buddy in college. He was a Christian, and he was at the Indiana Kelly School of Business. Real smart guy. It's a good business school. And he's going on about how he's going to get the business degree. He's going to be a hot shot. He's going to go to this city going to go to Cincinnati, for example, and going to be a big business rep downtown. He's going to make a lot of money. Well, he was pretty dumbfounded when I read this passage to him. You guys may be familiar with James 4. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city. And spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. 
You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live. You know, get first things first. If the Lord wills, you're going to wake up with oxygen in your lungs tomorrow morning. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So Moses, think about Moses writing this psalm. He learned the hard way over many years and decades to number his days. Think of the trouble. Think of the turmoil. You know, he brings God's people out of Israel. And what are they doing the whole time? They're just complaining. Why did you take us out of Egypt? To bring us out here to kill us? There are even times when Moses asked God to take his life. He was so grieved with them. Moses knew how to wisely number his days. Listen to from Numbers chapter 11. Now Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families. Each man at the doorway of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you been so hard on your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all this people on me? Was it I who conceived all this people? He's getting a little cheeky there with the Lord, isn't he? Was it I who brought them forth that you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries a nursing infant to the land which you swore to their fathers? Where am I to go to give meat to all these people? For they weep before me saying, give us meat to eat. I alone am not able to carry all this people because it is too burdensome for me. So if you are going to deal thus with me, please kill me at once. For I have, if I have found favor in your sight, and do not let me see my wretchedness. That's what Moses says to the Lord out there in the wilderness. Does anybody know what the Lord does to Moses then? Well, does he wipe Moses out? Nope. Does the Lord abandon Moses? Nope. The Lord, in his kindness, appoints 70 of the men of the elders of Israel to help lead the people and shoulder the burden with Moses. Remember God's kindness to you as you number your days. Notice Moses, as far as he could see it, he could have been complaining about the Israelites, but he doesn't. He asked God to not let him see his own wretchedness. Some of you look back on 2017 and think just about the list of other people who have done you wrong. Sometimes there are some among us 
morning to evening. It's just a long list of this person's done me wrong this way, this person's done me wrong this way, and it's a never-ending list of how you have been wronged. All the bad things that have happened to you. And some, some try to say, because of all these bad things that have happened to me, you know, we get Roman Catholic about it like we do about so many other things. Because all these bad things have happened to me, therefore the Lord will overlook and have mercy, a little more compassion on me because of my sins. But that's not how it works. You cannot present to God a heart of wisdom if you are obsessed with other people's sinful hearts and never repenting of your own sinful heart. Repent of the sin that's in there, the secret sins. This wording is helpful to us so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. We're not just talking external conformity here, right? We're talking wisdom from our whole being. Our whole being desiring to live wisely before God. Because what our hearts want, that's what our hearts get. How many times in accountability or confessing sin, you confess sin over and over again to your friend. Say, wow, I, I, I committed this sin again. I keep, I keep asking God to take it away from me. Why do I keep sinning in this way over and over and over again? Well, you're sinning that way because that's what your heart wants. Your heart has set it before you, and you've trained yourself for however many years to just give yourself to that sin, and so you, of course you're getting it. It's your heart that needs to change. You need to pray for a new desire, a new heart, that God would change you and fill you with His Holy Spirit and wisdom. And I keep coming back to you young folks especially. You, in your young years, you set a certain trajectory in your life. What happens if you walk through the woods, you keep walking back and forth down a certain track? What happens? Well, eventually you wear wear a path out, right? You have started trajectory down a trajectory in your life. And it's difficult to come off of that path. That's why with my kids, I harp over, over, and over again with them about lying. Do not lie. And oh boy, if they lie, they get disciplined. And parents should know their kids, unless parents are unaware of themselves and their little ones. Parents should know their kids better than they know themselves. You should know if you do see your kids lie, you should see a conscience that's alive in them. They don't, they feel bad that they just lied to you. And they should. Their conscience should be alive like that. And you want to encourage that conscience to grow. Friends, we can spend our lives consuming from the world. 
making the world our teacher, and learn little to nothing our whole lives. Give yourself, give yourself to study of God and His Word. And I know some of you say, well, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to read and study God's Word. God's Word always accomplishes what it sets out to do. God's law is our schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. He says through Isaiah, So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. And so at this point, it'd be nice to end just like uh, 2018 resolutions with some, with some steps on how to live godly, how to present a heart of wisdom before God. You know, what do you want? Three steps? You want five or ten steps for you overachievers, for those who are more legalist? Remember the James passage. It ends, Therefore, to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so it's sweet that even in, even in one certain family, it's going to wise, godly living, it's going to look different even among the members of those families. And in closing, Ecclesiastes 12, along with Proverbs, another one you young, young folks should read. Ecclesiastes 12, this is the first and the final verse. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Remember your Maker in the days of your youth. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Let's pray.